That's actually true love. Now, the way you go about delivering that is not to be so harsh or hostile. I tell people all the time, you can critique someone's point of view without criticizing them. You can have a mean-spirited conversation. You could be very passionate about it, but don't be um, you know, mean-spirited to the point where you are rejecting aggressively you know, in your tone, in your mannerism to put somebody down. And I think that's what's happened is a lot of these aggressors out there have really put a bad stigma on Christians. And what we're hopefully trying to do in Hijacking Jesus on this platform with you, Bobby, is to let people know that we can actually engage our progressive Christian friends by critiquing their their process or how they're hijacking Jesus. And they may, and I've had a lot of people who adamantly oppose that against me, but they don't hate me because they know genuinely I'm trying to have not just a discussion, a cordial one, but I'm actually trying to maintain a friendship with them to show Jesus to them. Are progressive Christians hijacking Jesus? Well, Jason Jimenez makes that case that they are. Jason Jimenez is the founder and president of Stand Strong Ministries. He is a best-selling author and national speaker specializing in biblical worldview training, family ministries, and church leadership. His new book, Hijacking Jesus, is available for purchase now. Bobby, over to you. Jason in the house. What's up, bro? Hey, Bobby. It's great to be with you, man. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Man, you're spitting out books lately, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's been a period of time in our life and ministry where God has really laid some key things on, on my heart and with some mm-hmm. great partnerships, you know, with Salem Books, putting out Hijacking Jesus. And then meanwhile, as you know, as a pastor and also someone who is in Christian apologetic ministry, I have that heart to take what we learn to defend the faith and help parents properly equip them. So on top of having Hijack and Jesus come out, we have Parenting Gen Z coming out with Focus on the Family, um, you know, and actually the next few months. So we're just really blessed what God is doing. Well, the, the covers look great. I got my advanced copies and uh, I'm just so thankful for your ministry, your humility. I love that you're a pastor that does apologetics. And here you've got two books that are coming out and you're going to be on the radio tour, uh, YouTube, social media tour. But tell us why the book that we're talking about today is especially important to you. Yeah, you know, a few years ago, I was having some conversations in a church with a bunch of people and they were taking a very progressive lens on not just social issues, But even when I gently pressed them on what they believe about Jesus, no way, shape or form did they say, oh, Jesus was fully God. They say he was a moralistic teacher. Um, We need to live like he lived. Uh, The Sermon on the Mount is one of the greatest sermons ever lived. He was the manifestation of God, but he's not God. And yet, while at the same time, they are claiming to be a Christian. And the more I started to look into that, of course, we have friends like Elisa Childers, and many of them have written on progressive Christianity. And as I start to talk to more people like Elisa and others, I'm realizing that this is a big issue. Of course, we study in seminary and you see liberal Protestantism, but it's right there in front of us. And it wasn't just going to the mainline denominations or going to the university campuses to hear this. You're actually hearing it in Bible-believing churches or 
As we know, there was a stake that a particular church had decades ago, teaching God's word, teaching him as a Lord and Savior, and then progressively turning into something that is contrary to the very Bible. And I felt like in our space, in defending the faith, we have to do something about this. And because, again, as the title says, I was seeing this genuine hijacking take place before our very eyes. Yeah, it's a great term, uh, hijacking Jesus. Everybody's kind of creating Jesus in their own image to fit the cultural appetite. And I think that you uh, have hit that on the head. For our audience, um, distinguish a little bit between Christianity and progressive Christianity and why you think that's important. Yeah, so one thing to our progressive friends, I'm not assuming, nor do I want to put words in their mouth to say what I'm about to say they believe. Because one thing when you're dealing with post-modernity, which is really foundational to progressive Christianity, um, their truth or their experience or their viewpoints, it's going to vary, right? But at the heart of progressive Christianity as an ideological movement, it is post-modern. Secondly, they believe that God is not uh, theistic. They don't believe he's creator sustainer, that he's different than us as his creation. They either take a form of, uh, you know, deism or panentheism that the world is in God as God is in the world. So we're all kind of moving to this oneness or this absolute consciousness, right? So they would strip away uh, the Trinity. They strip away the nature and essence of God right off the bat. In the Old Testament into the New Testament, they strip away the divinity of Jesus Christ, his virgin birth, his miracles, his atonement. They believe Jesus died on the cross and was an example for us, but he was not a sacrifice to atone for our sins. They do not believe progressive Christianity does not teach. They do not affirm. They actually reject a literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as a result... They do not believe in a literal physical return of Jesus Christ on earth someday. So that's progressive Mm -hmm. Christianity. Obviously, progressive Christians, or excuse me, yeah, biblical Christians, I should say, we affirm those doctrinal truths of Jesus. And that's what I expose in the book is that they reject those doctrines and they're trying to modernize Jesus into something that he's not in Scripture. Yeah, I mean, it's so tough because when you listen to some of the progressive Christians that come out that way, a lot of them have been, you know, wounded by the church, or maybe they've been in a ultra rigid church that gave them no flexibility to think. They come off sometimes very kind and empathetic. And I think wounded people are often your most empathetic people. And I realize when I listen, I go, man. Sometimes I hear conversations uh, that they're having, and I think that they can model something as it relates to tone and empathy and being there for people's trauma. Uh, but I wish that we didn't have to, you know, go outside of orthodoxy to figure that out. And so, do you ever feel like sometimes we're traumatizing people with the way that we package truth, and maybe we could learn how to better speak to the culture today? Oh, I mean, absolutely. And that's why when I was talking to a lot of progressive Christians who probably would say, you know, I grew up in a Bible believing, you know, with a literal interpretation, but you would always hear this word about rigidity or legalism, hypocrisy for millennials and Gen Zers. And you know what? They have a case to be made, but that doesn't discredit Christianity. And so what I have to say to that is speak to truth and love Ephesians 4.15 to where you say to them, you say, no, I'm really sorry for how your church treated you when you had doubts or when you felt disenchanted 
or you know you were disillusioned with maybe somebody who you found out was having an affair or they're not living according uh, according to the word of god so what progressive christians have done is they they want to advance orthopraxy they want to advance yeah. like right living however the problem is bobby and i say this to a lot of my friends in respect if you don't have a standard or doctrines in which you derive those moral livings um, then ultimately it's on you and what I'm saying is, you know that those people did wrong in the church because it ran contrary to God's truth. So what you don't want to do is you don't want to throw away a standard because somebody let you down and then you become your own standard. And then it just kind of moves, you move the needle whenever you want to. That's not healthy. That's not morally good. That's not emotionally and intellectually and spiritually stable for them. And so we can have these conversations in a way that speaks the truth in love without throwing out doctrinal truths. But if you and I, yes, if we profess to know Christ as a Lord and Savior, we have to live it sacrificially. Mm -hmm. We have to be patient with people. We have to say with open arms, hey, as Christ has forgiven me, I'm a fallen dead sinner. Without him, I have no life in myself, but I'm not trying to build a system of belief for my own um, implications or desires or wishes. You know, I put my hope and trust in Jesus who lived a life who was truth and grace and love all in the same time embodied in the person of Jesus. So you're right. A lot of these people who would call themselves progressive, they want to make that distinction because they don't want to associate with mm. biblical Christians or they like to refer to them as traditional Christians. And so there is a big part of progressive Christians who may not know a lot about the doctrinal faith of Christianity but they were trying to maybe grow in their faith or find community, but because of the hurt they experienced or the trauma, it's caused them to reject that entirely. Mm. Yeah, I know when I was going through my dark night of the soul with doubt, even thinking that, golly, am I gonna end up an apostate here? I hated my doubts though. I mean, I, I didn't like the doubts. I wasn't celebrating the doubts. Uh, it was like the most intimate relationship that you could possibly imagine having in my life with the Lord and then feeling abandoned, forsaken. Where are you, uh, God? What's going on? And one of the dangers, I think, is I was committing to theological positions prematurely without reading all the different uh, viewpoints. And then I would read a book that would knock down a viewpoint. And I just found myself in the land of confusion and there in that space, um, you know, I, I feel like some churches, I often say, want to be as conservative as they can be about their conservatism. And yeah. I say, I want to be as liberal as I can be about my conservatism without slipping in the heresy. When you're right. conservative as you can be about your conservatism, uh, you'll alienate some. And I think that's happened. But when you're as liberal as you can be, but you're still conserving well, then you don't end up a heretic. And I think today my fear is we're holding on to Jesus. And yet when you look at the Jesus of the New Testament, it doesn't look like what progressive Christianity claims. And even non-believers and atheists can read the Bible more clearly on that. Yeah, I think that's I think that's well said. And that's why what I try to do to hijack in Jesus is one is I want to stay true to why progressive Christians believe these things are not Christian right? They're not ba based on Christianity, historically, biblically, theologically, and spiritually. So any one of those six doctrines of Jesus, I wanted to lay them out and hear from them directly, right? Yeah. And then counter it to what biblical Christians, but like you said, not a, a red or blue argument or Democrat 
conservative, you know, what a lot of that stuff, like you said, gets, it, it immediately becomes tribal yes. and it's politicized to where we look at somebody as an object to either we can win over or we can refute and, and prove wrong. My heart, your heart, by which I love about you in the ministry is we want to come to people where they're at. And so even though I say, okay, this is where progressive Christianity are coming from and why they don't believe these certain things and why they believe these things, here's where historic Christianity really is and why they're, you know, incorrectly misinterpreting or hijacking. But what I felt was important was to highlight a spiritual result to these things, meaning in reality, there are consequences. And so if you do not believe that Jesus is fully God, that he atoned for our sins, and I'm looking at a dear brother who actually is very religious and they hold to Christian symbolism all the time. And they're walking around and talking about the inclusivity of Jesus and Jesus loved everybody and they're feeding the poor. Okay. Their, their intentions are good to some point. They're, they're sincere in some of the approaches that they're taking, but they could be mm -hmm. sincerely wrong. And yeah. we become in a culture now where it's like, we can't say anything, but they have to force their views on us. And I, what I'm saying is like, look, at the end, you do not have a savior. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. And I love you enough to share with you that ultimatum before you. It's heaven or hell. That's actually true love. Now, the way you go about delivering that is not to be so harsh or hostile. I tell people all the time, you can critique someone's point of view without criticizing them. You can have a mean-spirited conversation. You could be very passionate about it, but don't mm -hmm. be... Um, you know, mean spirited to the point where you are rejecting aggressively, you know, in your tone, in your mannerism to put somebody down. And I think that's what's happened is a lot of these aggressors out there have really put a bad stigma on Christians. And what we're hopefully trying to do in hijacking Jesus on this platform with you, Bobby, is to let people know that we can actually engage our progressive Christian friends by critiquing their their process or how they're hijacking Jesus and they may, and I've had a lot of people who adamantly oppose that against me, but they don't hate me because they know genuinely I'm trying to have not just a discussion, a cordial one, but I'm actually trying to maintain a friendship with them to show Jesus yeah. to them. Tim here, glad you are checking out this conversation. It is only through your support that we are able to bring you shows like this one. One simple and free way to support the show is to like our video on our YouTube channel. While you are there, consider subscribing. Also, check out other resources at ChristianityStillMakesSense.com. Let's get back to the interview. Yeah, that's so well said. I mean, I today was in a conversation with a pastor that's a good friend and uh, definitely on the progressive side. Uh, and I was listening to his heart around the whole LGBTQ thing. And lots of people in the church uh, that go to his church are you know, living uh, in a same sex relationship. And for him, uh, you know, he, he's just trying his best to meet them where they're at. I think, as I told him, I, you know, I don't agree with, you know, where he's kind of at on the true statement, but I don't think he's trying to do something vicious against God. I think his heart is so big, it's getting in the way a little bit. And I, we always have to remember when you got a shepherding and a compassionate heart, because this stuff, you know, isn't new. You know, what we see today was going on in the Greco-Roman world where Paul was writing from. But that said, you know, this idea of wokeness, let's talk about, you know, that for a bit. Was Jesus woke? And what do we even mean by woke? 
Yeah, so this is where we have to make sure that we clarify our terms um, because people assume a lot. And and again, my journey in writing this, spending time with a lot of progressive Christians, watching their sermons, watching them on YouTube. So I stopped watching you for a while, Bobby, because I had to watch these progressive <laughs> Christians, okay? Um, but, you know, when you're inundated with so much of this stuff, I mean, it, it, it sometimes I'd leave and I'd be like, oh my gosh, am I becoming progressive? You know, because you're spending so much time with these people. But yeah. I had to hear from them. I didn't want to put words mm-hmm. in their mouth. Now, having said that, the vast majority of people who are progressive Christian, their view of wokeism has to deal with becoming an anti-racist, meaning everything you look at has to be against any form of oppression to fight for equality and equity. Now, genuinely, there are people with their social justice flags and their T-shirts. They want to see the betterment of society. And they and they put a, you know Jesus's name on that that Jesus was trying to advance a better society before he was crucified, and like you said, I can I can meet them where they're at. I can un- understand and find common ground with them. I mean, I I may not agree completely where their conclusion or the outcome is, but I want to bear witness with them to say we want to help society. We we think racism is a moral evil. Well, the wokeism though, however, does not have an ultimate moral standard of justice associated with it. Okay, it's a systemization of how we advance people who are oppressors or who are people who are being oppressed. Yeah, and sin is not um, in this equation at all. Uh, original sin is rejected at the heart of it, and so this is about advancing more discrimination than it actually creates peace and harmony. Because ultimately, in Jesus Christ, there's peace. And so, oftentimes, what they make Jesus into is somebody who just embraces every lifestyle, every ideal. To the point where social justice is actually the gospel. So it's doing good, fighting for unity and peace, which is a very convoluted among a lot of progressive Christians. So it's like it's like when you're dealing with a Marxist or somebody who's advancing socialism. Communism is the end goal and the end goal to utopianism, but they've never achieved it. So it's just this mm-hmm. ideal thing, this fantasy, but they never arrive to it. They don't even know how to get there. And I think sadly, with wokeism and social justice means that being the gospel. So it strips the whole basis of Christianity out that Jesus had to come to die on the cross for our sins to save us and restore us back to him. Instead, it's about mankind needs to fix things, right? We need to advance equity. We all need to be on the same uh, uh, level plane. And yet you and I know, Bobby, that even distinctively as human beings, though we're the Imago Day, we are all individually different. Uh, in our nationalities, in our gender, in our giftedness, in our talents, in our personalities. And sadly, what wokeism has done is it's actually discriminated against not just innovation, but personality because it personifies uh, discrimination at the heart of it. And so mm. now they're, they're injected with Jesus, you know, the smiley, happy-go-lucky teacher to make it seem like it's friendly It's innovative, it's new, it's fresh. You know, like I say in the book, it's like Subway. They're always refreshing their menu. And it's almost like that's what they've done to Jesus. And Mm -hmm. I have to say in the end, it's like, look, you may be sincere in what you're trying to do, but you're sincerely wrong because you have have de-supernaturalized Jesus Mm -hmm. into, into your own making. And really in the end, Jesus does not have any authority. Man has the authority, so so to speak. And when you see that disaster comes as a, as a result where you have more victims rather than you have people that you've helped. 
Hmm, good stuff. Now we're going through lots of topics for the listener out there. If, if you want to learn about the atonement, progressive Christianity, wokeism, and you know, was Jesus a socialist? Uh, all this kind of stuff. We want to you know invite you to consider hijacking Jesus, Jason. We only have a few minutes left, but for the last question, uh, you know, on one side you get wokeism. Uh, you know, Jesus was a socialist. On the other end of the spectrum, you get Christian nationalism and neither of these pictures are the true picture of Jesus. Talk in our final moments about this idea of Christian nationalism, and then just give us some closing thoughts as it relates to where we can find more out about your book. Yeah, well, I appreciate it, Bobby. So yeah, so real quickly, so then on the other extreme, what you do get is you get this form of Christian nationalism, where it's almost like, you know, Jesus is ruling through the hearts and minds of predominantly, you know, white middle-aged people right um who actually do discriminate and being a biracial individual and growing up in a, in a poor side of tucson arizona uh, none of my family members ever went to college i had no concept of how that even looked when i was getting these scholarships and these opportunities you know if it wasn't for the help of certain people that helped me i wouldn't be you know doing this today so i'm very grateful for that for the opportunity and so one thing that i found though is as you get older in the space of evangelicalism this idea of Christian nationalism, it's its always about advancing God's kingdom on earth, not the right way in which he intended during the mm -hmm. Great Commission. You know, this mm -hmm. is where people are very patriot, patriotic about, the, you know, their national status, as in this case, being American citizens, right? And so they go around there at advancing causes that politicize a particular group. I actually, in my previous book, Challenging Conversations, I have a chapter on on politics and stuff in the church, and I actually think it's wrong. For people to go around in the church talking about how they're republican or who they voted for in a way to draw attention or to cause a stir or or to divide i think that's wrong in the kingdom of god we are above that our citizenship is in heaven and so yes even though you can have some progressive christians who are making jesus more woke and inclusive which is not jesus christ who's the second person in the trinity fully god fully man and he will come one day and restore all things and we his disciples his children we will rule and reign with him one day we affirm and preserve that truth but on the other side you can have people who take a literal approach of god's word and believe him to be the savior but they can start politicizing every aspect of that to win the pulpit you know with the american flag behind them uh, god bless america and they actually kind of discriminate against other nations they put down like the other Marcello people dude mike lindell <laughs> yeah yeah i know yeah, it's like yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I God. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I appreciate <laughs> what they're trying to do, but I'm like that's very dangerous, you know. You're I don't think you're really making disciples. You you know, obviously you're probably making uh, you know, more clones, you know, in that space, but I I renounce that as well and I again, like you and I said, I think people are well-intentioned in some part, but I think some people are also brainwashed. Yeah. And we have to be careful to make sure that we're not politicizing the great commission when we're out there making disciples and baptizing him in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in the authority, remember, that Jesus has given us. Great stuff, Jason. Always a pleasure. Congratulations on your book. We'll be sure to put links up and be sure to get yourself a copy of Hijacking Jesus. Till next time, bro. Thanks, Bobby. Appreciate you, man. Thank you for checking out this episode of Christianity Still Makes Sense. This show is just one of the many resources available to those who are doubting their Christian faith. You can also find others at ChristianityStillMakesSense.com. This is a listener-supported show, and your gift of any amount helps shows like this continue. Click on the donate link on our website. 
Also, catch Bobby on Pastor's Perspective, where he answers your questions. Finally, if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to click subscribe and check out our other videos on the channel. This show was sponsored by K-Wave and Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa.